Hi, Greg here. Before we dive into the second part of our Spring Classics preview with Wit Yost, I think you should know that we recorded this episode on Sunday, March 8th, the evening after the Parinis prologue. Unbeknownst to us, the very next day, Tom Bonin would crash out of his Spring Classics campaign, and we would learn that Philip Gilbert will not be taking part in Flanders. So, if you hear any picks in the next segment that seem a little strange in light of this information, please keep in mind, we had no way of knowing. Now, let's let Matteo start us off. Hello, welcome to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. This is a podcast for heady conversations about bikes and bike racing and bicycles. And today we've got a very special episode for you. We are going deep into the world of men's professional bike racing over in Europe. It's an exciting time. So I am really excited for this episode. My name is Matteo. I'm joined by my podcasting companion, Greg Colby. Hey. And we have a very special guest, one of the uh, sort of foremost uh, voices, I think, in, uh, in American bicycle racing, spring classics related punditry in Wit Yost. Say hello, Wit. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's let's dive in. So so let's talk about riders a little bit. How's that? Sure. So who who are the riders to watch? And I think that we'll start by asking you about the stars, the team leaders. So so who are the who are the guys to to watch both for March for for this month and for a little bit later, maybe more in, in April in the monuments that are coming up. Well, I mean, this month, uh, I assume we're focusing on the classics. So, so mm-hmm. if we are, then we're talking about we're talking about Milan San Remo, um, and I think that uh, I think John Degenkolb is a rider to keep an eye on. He's been kind of quiet. I was honestly a bit surprised he didn't race the opening weekend in Belgium because his team was certainly there. Uh, but he had a good result in the prologue at Paris-Nice today. I think he's a threat to maybe take the yellow jersey uh, with some time bonuses on one of these early stages. And I definitely think that he's someone to look out for in Milan-San Remo. That said, he's not going to win it because I think, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll make my first uh, bold and outrageous prediction, and maybe it's not bold and outrageous, but I think Kwiatkowski is going to win Milan-San Remo this year. I think we're going to have another world champion Um pull it off. I just think that he has that, that, that mix of being able to follow attacks and then also uh, win small group sprints when he, when he has to. Um, so I just, I, I think this is a year, I think this is a year where we're going to see a, a, a non-sprinter win, win Milan San Remo. Um, obviously, Cancellara is someone to watch uh, in Milan San Remo. Michael Matthews, I'm eager to see how his progression continues. You know, he's definitely, uh, you know, become, uh, uh, I wouldn't say top tier, but sort of maybe second tier, or if there's a tier between the top tier and the second tier uh, in terms of a field sprinter. You know, that kind of field sprinter like a Degenkolb that mm-hmm. can survive a difficult finale and still have something left to to beat whoever else is there. You know, I think Milan San Remo could be a good race for him if he's up to the distance. You know, he, he doesn't have much of a track record in um, in long, long one-day races, races like that. Uh, that. That would be March. April, obviously, you know, we've got to talk about Tom Boonen. Um, 
I'm starting to wonder if uh, Tom Boonin's days of winning the Tour of Flanders are beyond him. You know, I just I think that the new course uh, is is something that suits a rider who's a bit more explosive, and I just don't think Boonin has that that quickness in his legs that uh, that he needs. I think he's got to hold on while other riders attack and maybe win win a small group sprint, similar to how Cancellara did did last year. Uh, but as we saw in the Omloop, and again, it's the Omloop, and I and I and I began began our show by saying, don't worry about quick step. But we saw Boonen try and put in an attack with 5k left, and I think that five six years ago, Boonen would have would have held that move to the finish and and uh, and and won the race. But he's not able to do that anymore. So I think Boonen is a better rider still for for Paris Roubaix. Maybe even we could say the same thing about uh, about Cancellara. Yeah, Cancellara is. I mean, he does for all that he doesn't have much of a reputation in field sprints, so he does seem to do pretty pretty well in small groups, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, he he won a bronze medal at the World Championships some years back uh, when, or no, he got fourth place the year that Cavendish won in what was basically a bunch sprint. <laughs> he, was, he was sprinting on his hoods probably in the 5311 at you know 100 rpm like a cantalara yep. cantalara is going to cantalara right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but yeah he, he certainly can kick it at the end yeah yeah well that's <laughs> well i i you know tom bonin has certainly had an interesting um career progression and i actually think it's a shame that he's been a little bit overshadowed by uh Conchalara in the last couple of years because I, I personally i i find his style of racing a bit more engaging than Conchalara's. um that's just me you know that's kind of just a little personal thing but you know he has had he has had drops in the past like i, I remember uh if this is a deep cut maybe whip but i i seem to remember you you penning a piece called his uh Conchalara getting too old a few years ago, not Conchalar, sorry, is, is, is Boonin done for in 2011, of course, and then 2012, he won everything. Am I remembering that right? Did I <laughs> write that in 2011? I don't know. I, I, I'm not trying to make you look bad, though, because... No, 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 it's okay. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's like we said about, you, you can't be afraid to lose every once in a while, you know? <laughs> um, you, you know what? I'll... I, I have a confession here. I did a quick little Googling. Oh, was that you, Matteo? Maybe that was you. That was me. I, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> there, your your reputation and, is saved with. And you know what? I'll also confess that was kind of a clickbait headline, you know? Oh, it totally was. Prime. And this, this is before the glory days of clickbait. So I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> give myself the... either a, a, a pat of congratulation or a pat of shame for that. You're um, on the cutting, cutting edge. <laughs> but, you know, we hedged. We equi- I equivocated pretty pretty fiercely but the question is certainly leading now i feel bad because uh, now i do remember I, I i think i spent the next spring rubbing that in your face but <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway um <laughs> so so we're talking about boating i could go on longer because uh, i i have other things to say but i won't uh let, let's are there any other star riders uh we should be thinking about for Milan San Remo and, and then later for Flanders or Roubaix or should we go to talking a bit about the up-and-comers well I think it's funny that we haven't really mentioned Peter Sagan at all I mean mm. we, we've mentioned him only in passing and I think that 
I think that that says a lot about where he is right now. You know, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't won a race. There were lots of numbers bouncing around on social media yesterday. Um, some people say that he hasn't won a race since he won the Slovakian national championship. But there's a there's a funny little thing about that, which I'm sure you guys know, is he didn't actually win that race. Stibar won that race because the Czech and Slovakian championships are held concurrently. So the first Czech rider to cross the line gets the Czech championship, and the first Slovak to cross the line gets the Slovakian championship. And Stibar beat Sagan in that race. So Sagan didn't even win that race. Hmm. So I think we have to go back to the Tour of Switzerland for his last victory, which is, you know, a pretty long while for a rider like Sagan. Um, and so this year, obviously, the question for him is, what is a move to Tinkoff Saxo going to do for his, for his chances? You know, he was certainly pretty isolated while he was riding the classics for Cannondale. Now he's got Daniele Bonatti, he's got Matteo Tassato, uh, he's got Matty Breschel, who I think is probably more important than those other two. But at some point, people are going to start to to say, did we did we overestimate him? You know, the talent is certainly there, but mentally, he just I hate to use this word, he just seems to choke in in big in big races. Um, He's only, uh, I think he's only 25 now, so he mm. certainly has a, lo- a long ways to go. Um, and, and, you know, but I, I wonder if he kind of, you know, started off too fast too soon, and now he's finding himself, you know, maybe, I don't want to say unable to live up to the hype, because he's still, I mean, you know, he's, he, he win, he's won green jerseys and things like that. He's by no means a a, a bad rider, but I think everybody would 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 agree that we sort of expected more from him by now. So I, I'm really curious to see what he does in Milan San Remo, Flanders, Roubaix. I think Roubaix was an interesting result. You know, no one really expected him to be there at the end, and that ended up being one of his best performances of the spring last year, which maybe shows a little bit that that maybe sometimes the pressure does get to him mm. a little bit at times. Well, this this might be a little psychoanalytical, but do you think as he's kind of moved up and, and become more of a favorite and, and needed to kind of get that extra, that last, you know, half percent that maybe he's not having as, as much fun and that's hard? You know, because he just seems so, you know, when he's winning, winning those three stages in the tour, you know, a few years ago, like, joy seemed to be the defining characteristic of him as a rider. Yeah, I would agree. I, I I wonder if he's realized that this is this is a lot harder than I thought it was. You know, <laughs> I mean, when he when he when he burst onto the scene, I mean, he was he, he was winning anything he wanted to. It it seemed, and I, I think part of that again was because he was the new kid on the block. You know, people were they'd heard stories about how strong he was, but they didn't really take him seriously. But now, when you have teams going into a race and they're primary strategy is to shut him down or shadow him wherever he moves you know it's, it's a lot harder to win races that way and so you know we mentioned teaching an old dog new tricks you know i think sagan is a young dog that might need to uh to develop some tricks if he wants to start winning those big races let's uh let's yeah. swivel a little bit and wait can i bring up one some... more can i bring up one more rider that I, I i didn't get a chance to mention absolutely philippe gilbert mm, yeah 
I was really impressed with Philippe Gilbert in the Omloop and in Kerna. He, he kind of laid down an attack in the finale there in Kerna, Brussels Kerna, which I think was more for training and publicity than anything else. But, but he has this year gone back to wanting to do well in the cobbled classics with the exception of Paris-Roubaix. And I got to say, uh, if, you know, I made my bold prediction about Gwiazdowski, if you were to put a, put a water pistol to my head and say, pick a rider to win the Tour of Flanders, I'd have to pick Philippe Gilbert because I think that new finale, it suits a rider who's, like I said earlier, really explosive, aggressive, not afraid to take risks. And I think Gilbert's that, that kind of rider. Um, you know, he's finished uh, on the podium in the old Tour of Flanders, the old, old Tour of Flanders with, with, with the mirror, a much less explosive finale. He finished on the podium twice there. And I think the new course plays into his strengths even more than it ever has, which is one of the reasons why I think he's he's targeting it this time. I uh, I really liked watching him on opening weekend in the Omloop and Kern of Brussels Kern, you know, because he, he put in those moves, and those weren't attempts to win the race moves. But they maybe weren't. they were a little bit of publicity moves, but he was working his ass off. Yep. And they, so they, yeah. they really seemed like like serious, honest training just shy of putting a target on my back for a month from now moves yeah well and he looks Absolutely. very and he yeah they weren't half-hearted and they looked very strong at, at least i i actually didn't uh i so confession i i only was able to watch basically the how the race was won for uh <laughs> the om loop <gasps> but uh <laughs> but i i did catch um most of the last few uh kilometers of uh kerna brussels kerna and you know that attack he, he he launched that attack, and I, I said, "That's that's going nowhere." And then, you know, he held it just long enough that I, I said, "Oh, wait a minute, that's interesting." You know, he's looking very good. He's looking good, for sure. How about up and comers? Who, uh, who are some of the the lesser known names that have? And let's, have yeah, and let's put in the signs. And let, let's maybe combine this with and, and team players too. So who, the up and comers, because they can often be the same people, right? Who the, uh, the team players who can make a, a difference for the stars, for the team leaders, the ones that you want to have on your side. Well, uh, the opening weekend, I was impressed um, with uh, the Belgian Lotto squad, and 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 don't be confused because there really wasn't a whole lot to be impressed about from them, and and that's actually been the case for several years now. But but Lotto Lotto Sudal. They came into the weekend without Jurgen Rulantz for the Omloop, who was probably their best chance there, and then also without Andre Greipel for Kerna Brussels Kerna, who was by far their best chance there. But Jens de Buschera, who uh, won the Belgian Road Race Championship last year, actually performed really well in both races. I think he was 12th in the Omloop, and then he sprinted to, I believe, a top 10 finish in Kerna on Sunday, which was actually, in terms of you know, which rider that did both races finished the best. It was, it was him. Um, young guy, uh, definitely started out more as a sprinter, but obviously showed in the Omloop that he's got some endurance. He's got some staying power. Uh, he's going to be a fun rider, a fun rider to watch. And I think, you know, assuming that Jurgen Rulantz comes back and sort of reassumes the captaincy of Lotto Sudal in, in the classics. I think Jens de Buscher could be a rider that, you know, sneaks under the radar. Um, he's somebody that I'll be looking at in Dwarves or Vlanderen. I think it's a perfect race for him. Uh, often ends in a field sprint, sometimes doesn't. 
I just I could see I could see him winning winning that race. It's a race that a lot of riders often win and then kind of go on to uh, to bigger and better things. So he's someone I'm definitely excited about. How about you guys? Oh well, I don't. I, unfortunately, I I don't have enough. Of Should an I just keep talking and we can cut that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should I just keep going? No, you can leave. You can leave in my uh, <laughs> sad lack of uh, knowledge. It's but this is good. your wheelhouse, wit. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I mean, the other the I'll just I'll just keep geeking out then. The uh, the other rider who I was really excited about this past weekend, there is a three-day stage race called the Drie Dogs of On West Vlaanderen. So the, the the three days of West Flanders. And Which is um, highly specific. Friday's always highly specific yeah, and it, it don't don't confuse it with the two days of East Flanders, please. <laughs> um, or or I should say a lot of people confuse it with the, the three days of Depana. Um, which I think is also in West Flanders, which is anyway, sorry. Um, but it's, uh, it's an interesting little race because it's always on the weekend of, um, well now it's on the weekend of Strada Bianca, but it's also on the weekend, uh, the opening weekend of Paris-Nice. So a lot of teams, you know, they, if they have say two, two main programs, you know, like let's say Edix Quickstep. You know, Boonen's gone to Paris-Nice, Terpstra and Stibar went to Strada Bianca and Terreno Adriatico. And so it's kind of like the, the, the B and C riders on a lot of teams end up going to the three days of West, of West Flanders. And as a result, the riders there are often younger, a little more inexperienced, but you get some really interesting performances and indicators of things to come. So for example, one of, um, um, Gwizdowski's first, first victories was the prologue a few years ago, back when he was with, with Radio Shack. John Degenkolb's, um, won a stage there. Arnaud Demars won, won a stage there. And this year, the winner was a Belgian from Quickstep named Yves Lampart, who won the second stage, which took in a couple, uh, a couple famous, um, famous uh, Flemish Bergs, and then uh, held on, you know, he, he rode well enough in the prologue to uh, put himself in the leader's jersey by uh, winning stage two, and then held on today to, uh, to, uh, to win the overall. He's a, a young rider, um, definitely kind of a, you know, a hard man, if you will, someone definitely to keep an eye on in the, um, in the cobbled classic. Certainly not this year. I doubt he'll even crack the lineup for quick step. In a lot of the big, uh, big cobbled classics, but uh, down the road, he's definitely somebody to look out for. And another rider that came out of that Top Sport Vlanderen Balois program that produced Sepp van Marka, Thomas de Ghent, um, and other other similar riders, uh, Kenny van Bilzen, who have uh, have come out of Belgium. They went through that sort of developmental squad and then went on to get contracts with. Um, World Tour squads and other uh, and other continental teams that you, uh, that you know, get invites to bigger races. Also on that list of riders is Chris Bokmans, who wasn't really on my radar screen until I saw him win Les Samin a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago, and uh, you know, n- not not the biggest race, not the most stacked field, but the finale looked pretty brutal, and he's going up against uh, Quick Steps 
admittedly, you know, maybe B squad there, but took a real uh, gutsy sprint win from a small group. And absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. And there were, I think, again, there were probably four or five quick step riders present in that final move. Nikki Terpstra was there. I think Stan Vandenberg was there. I mean, that was not, you know, I think Le Semaine used to be a race that, you know, people just didn't didn't pay much attention to. But but they've changed the finale. I think there were 13 cobbled sectors in it. You know, um, you can find a YouTube video of, I believe, the final 16 or 20K. I mean, talk about quintessential Belgian racing, you know, guys in the gutter, attacks left and right gray wet i mean it was yeah that that was a fantastic a fantastic race and definitely any listeners out there who haven't seen it go go to youtube look for it find the um find the final 20 minutes or so of that race you'll you'll definitely uh definitely be glad you did there's a special treat in there in the, about the uh with about a kilometer to go um one of one of the Cofidis riders, Steve Chanel, is blowing up and reaches back for his teammate in the the front group of maybe seven, <laughs> seven, eight or nine riders. He's and they're just flying. I think at this point Terpster's on the front or, or something. Um, and he's blowing and he doesn't want to open up a gap, so he reaches back, grabs his teammate, and executes a a fairly decent Madison sling to throw uh. his teammate right back up through that gap. I must have blinked, but I missed that. But I'm going to go back and see that. If that happened, then then I think that is going to be the most perfect piece of of bicycle racing footage in the last ten years. Matteo, I think you're gonna slate. you're gonna need to gift that up for us. <laughs> I'll do what I can. It was that's, perfect. That's your the, job. The camera moto was right behind it. It was it was nice. That's glorious. The only way we better is if they were still wearing hairnets. But alas, <laughs> yeah. Uh, damn safety requirements um <laughs> for, for whatever they're worth well okay that's uh we've got we've got a lot of stuff on riders now so are there any any final any final words wit uh are, are there any domestiques we should be thinking about you know any who, who's the who's the sylvan chavanel of uh of this season you know the guy who could oh. really threaten well it's funny because on any other team we wouldn't say this, but I think Stebar is is maybe the most dangerous rider who in any given race won't be a designated captain. Um, you know, last year during the Cobble Classics, he was kind of, I mean, he was there, but he didn't play a huge role. I think it was still, I think his head was still spinning a little bit, but 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 now I think he's more confident. Um, he's got another year under his belt. You know, he's he's had a chance to learn the roads. I mean, that's you know, you can't overstate how important it is to just race those races and learn where you need to be and when you need to be there. Um, he lives in Belgium, you know, and he's lived there for a while, so he, you know, he's really learning his way around. Um, you know, I think he will will be a rider that if teams overlook him if they don't take him seriously when he goes on the attack i think i think it'll be it'll be a big mistake um stain vandenberg is someone who i just love watching um just a big big burly belgian rider you know who can just kind of sit on the front you know he's he's sort of the locomotive um in on the team I don't know. I, I was I was having a, a conversation with someone on Twitter about this after um, after the Umloop, uh, 
about whether or not Stain Vandenberg would be able to win races for himself if you're on a different team. And I, I, I definitely don't think that's the case. I don't think he has, just doesn't have that personality. Um, you know, when he has scored high finishes, there are finishes that he scored at the service of the team, with one exception, and that would be Paris-Roubaix, because that's definitely the kind of race where a locomotive can do well, and a locomotive who is trying to go off the front to set up a teammate later in the race can sometimes sneak away and go on to win. I mean, that's the way Johan van Summeren won it for Garmin a few years ago. Yeah. And interestingly, as much as I like the guy, he hasn't won anything since. You know, he had he had a good finish the year after, but you know, I think I think Johan van Summeren, he had his day in the sun. The, you know, the situation played out perfectly in terms of his team strategy, you know, and so he won and so he won Roubaix. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't think that I think I think he's since proven that he's not a consistent contender in races of that sort. Well, yeah, and I think that um, the 2011 Paris-Roubaix is, you know, kind of a, a really was a particularly interesting race, I think, for a number of different reasons. So, you know, it was a really special situation. Just in terms of the, you know, the politics on the teams at the time and, yep. and the, the approaches they were taking and uh, sort of where Conchalara was at in terms of probably at sort of peak Conchalara bullseye uh, and, and all that. Right. So. I mean, talking talking about locomotives in Paris-Roubaix, that was, was that, that was the year after Conchalara won both Roubaix and Flanders. Right. Uh, and and you know yeah he had this huge bullseye on his back and he that was he had this moment of realization on the road where he said I'm just not going to pull everybody up to the front of the race hmm. I'm not going to do that and then that was what that was what gave Van Summer in that win I think absolutely I, I think that was the race where Cancellara said if I stop for coffee they'd all stop with me <laughs> <laughs> yes and then I on my tiny little really bad tumblr blog that you shouldn't read i I wrote the only good thing i think i ever wrote (laughs) saying what a whiner that cancellara was (laughs) (laughs) let's talk wild picks for a few minutes um i'd like to have a little bit of a round table i'd like for each of us to to go out on a ledge uh and and make a really bold and possibly reckless prediction for a rider and a result this spring. And it could be a positive one. It could be a negative one. It could be, you know, someone who's put a target on their back this spring. Or it could be a dark horse. But, yeah, go out, go out on a limb and uh, and and give us your pick for this spring. Yeah, Any right. race. Who, who, who's going to start? Who should Who should we start with? Why don't you start, Greg, and then I'll go next, and then we can have Wit wrap it up. Okay, okay. Well, I, I guess I've got one, like, one pick and one... Uh, I, I do have a, another little thing I noticed that, um, I, you know, it might not be worth much. But my kind of... I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, I'm going to pick Seth Van Mark to win Paris-Roubaix. I think he's he's looking ridiculously strong, but not you know, not too strong yet. Uh, I think the main question for him is, can he, can he sort of contain his enthusiasm just enough to, you know, uh, not burn all his matches before the end. But 
you know, he's kind of well suited in that Paris Roubaix is, is a race where it's 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 harder to just blow yourself up in some ways. Um, I can't believe I'm mm. saying that. That might be completely bogus, but it's it sort of seems like you can you can do that a little bit more in, in Paris Roubaix and kind of ride on the front on the cobbles and and really hurt people without um, wrecking your own chances. So yeah, because he just looks um, like he he's been really strong and he looks he looks possibly the strongest he's ever looked to me. Um, so. Yeah. The one other thing I want to put in, so I don't think that's a super crazy prediction. Um, he certainly looks way stronger than Conchalara uh, right now. That doesn't mean that Conchalara isn't going to be a player, um, but but he was kind of down the list of Stradbianchi. I, I do want to point out on the finishing list of Stradbianchi, which I thought was kind of interesting, sort of down there in the sort of in the, the good domestique zone, um, sandwiched between uh, Sammy Sanchez and Luke Gerbridge in 16th place is certain Damiano Cunigo. Um, <laughs> which I, so I, I'll, I'll say the way I watched, um, that race, Strade Bianca, I watched a little bit with about 60 K to go. Uh, I went and I got breakfast with my sweetie. I came home and watched the last 12 K. So I, I didn't see a lot of the stuff that sort of happened in between there, but he's ahead of Conchalara and I, I'm not saying that, uh, Kunigo's gonna, I, I think he's kind of done with winning classics honestly but he might have a pretty good result in one of the later ones like am still gold or something like that he might still be able to do something there which would be nice i kind of you know kind of like that guy i've missed him i think you should just buy a copy of the little prince because i think that's your best chance of seeing him do anything (laughs) the petit prince (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean he's probably gonna end up like you know, fiftieth place in in these races, but uh yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Matteo, go ahead. So uh, here's my wild pick, and that is that Peter Sagan is going to win nothing hmm. this spring. So he's got um in his in his past he's got Harold Becker and he's got Gent Wevelgem victories to his name. Um, and he's got no monuments, right? He's, he's always tapped as a possibility for Roubaix, for Flanders, for San Remo. Um, and I think he's going to have to wait at least another year before, before adding a monument to his tally. I think that, uh, you know, we, we talked earlier about he, he needs to figure out ways to win races now that he's got the profile. I've also seen him this spring get cracked pretty hard at Strada Bianchi. He has a tendency, you know, to get himself just like tactically outgunned and more and more straight up outridden. And uh, I don't I don't think he's on my list of real time big favorites for any of our big races coming up. So you're saying Sagan doesn't win another race until the tour of California. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe if indeed you're right and he doesn't win anything this spring, maybe he should take, uh, maybe he should take a run at Lombardia in the fall. Maybe he should do that. Hmm. Can't help but think hmm. that that goes uphill just too much for yeah. him. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Perry Tour. Maybe he can. He can. He can mm-hmm. go for Perry Tour. And Worlds. You know, Worlds will be a good race for him. Oh, that's right in Richmond. See you guys there, by the way. 
nice. Looking looking forward to it. All right, uh, Wit. Is that me then? I think it's your turn. Oh boy! All right. Um. Well, I already said that I think Gwizdowski's going to win Milan San Remo. I think I said that Gilbert is going to win the Tour of Flanders. Um. You know, it's funny we didn't discuss at all anyone from Team Sky. No, we didn't. We didn't talk about Ian Stannard, who actually won the Omlupet News Blog. Uh, we didn't talk about Geraint Thomas, who could have won the Omloop, I think, if he were there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we didn't talk about Bradley Wiggins. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I want to say Wigo will win Roubaix, just because that's bold. <laughs> but I, but, but I have a hard time. I have a hard time actually saying it and. And meaning it, because on one hand, it just feels completely preposterous to me. But on the other hand, he rode well last year. And Wiggins is a guy that 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 has shown an ability to set goals for himself and meet them. And I just, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he if he did it. I, I think that Stannard is a better rider than he is in, in Perry Roubaix. Um, so I let's let's say my bold prediction is that Bradley Wiggins I won't predict that he won't win. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> it's, it's really going out on a limb. Glad you're willing to take a strong stand on this win. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't. I can't. Um, uh, I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I'm struggling to come up with something bold. I will say Jens de Buscher wins Dwarves Dorf Landerin. Um, let's see who's going to win Harold Becker. Harold Becker will go to. I think Van Mark will win Harold Becker. I think he'll win that. But I think the I think I think winning that will hurt him because the pressure then to win Flanders will be way too great. Um, I think Dagen Kolb will win Gent Wevelgem again, and Roubaix. Hmm. If you want a bold bold pick for Paris Roubaix, Dagen Kolb is is not a bad bold pick. He he was he was he was pretty far up there last year, if I recall. No, he, well, I think he was second last yeah, year. He was. Yeah, no, Dagenkolb's right. a good Dagenkolb's a good pick for that. Um, I'd love to see Boonen win one more Roubaix. Uh, I, I mean, I'll I'll I, I I I'll pick Boonen. I'm gonna pick Tom Boonen to win Paris Roubaix. There you go. Nice. Yep. Going with the heart, Wit. That's Going a good with the one. heart. Sometimes sometimes you've got to. That's a good one. My my, you know what? I I I like that. I'll co-sign to the extent that uh, you know my money's on Set Van Mark, but but my heart is my heart is with uh, Boonin as well. At I, the end of the day, you know, y- you can't overlook the strength of of that team. And for Van Mark, I think he's going to need. I think Roubaix is definitely a race where you can you can win it without a strong team, and Cancelar has done it several times. But I still think that you know you could you could you you could you could conceivably see of the first eight riders in Paris Roubaix, four of them being from from Edix Quickstep, 
Um, and that's pretty hard. That can be pretty hard to overcome. That said, Ian Stannard did a pretty good job of that mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I don't really know how, how uh, at, at least a couple of the times uh, Cancellar has won that Paris-Roubaix without a strong team has been going from a long way out. And I, I, maybe it's just me, but I don't see it playing out that way this year. I don't think that there's someone who is that head and shoulders above everyone else in just raw power. Um, but, yep. you know, I, I, you know, if there's anyone you shouldn't listen to about which rider is good at X, Y, or Z, it's me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know anything about bike racing. <laughs> Jeez. Come on. Get <laughs> down on yourself. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good, good pick. So we've got, uh, so I've gone with Set Van Mark for Roubaix and, and Matteo. Just a quick, you know, we're just going to wrap that up. Matteo, what was yours again? Mine was Sagan getting nothing. Getting nothing and, and wit to condense it. I, 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 who didn't I pick at this point? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I picked I picked Liazdowski for San Remo, Gilbert for Flanders, and Boonen for Roubaix. Cool. So we with haven't a, with a little bit of Wiggins sprinkled in there. With a things up. yeah, with a where's Wiggo thrown in there. <laughs> I like Wiggins. I you know I wouldn't be too sad if he won. All right, that's all the time we have today for this episode of the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. Uh, you can find us at standarddouble.com/whbp. My name is Matteo. I tweet at underscore Matteo. And my buddy over there in the other corner, Greg, you can catch him at Grolby. And Wit, where can our followers find you? The best place is probably on Twitter, at Whityost, W-H-I-T-Y-O-S-T. And of course, don't forget that you can also, you can find uh, Wit's uh, writings in Bicycling Magazine. So check that out. Absolutely. Bicycling.com as well. Yeah. Uh, So... You know, as for us, you can email the show, give us opinions or whatnot at honestbikeprogram. Well, there's no at, but honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to leave a review on iTunes as well. By the way, um, we have noticed that there are some reviews there, and we really appreciate it. We love you all. Uh, thanks for continuing to listen. Uh, keep it real out there. Keep the rubber side down, as it were, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Good night, everybody.